Imran Khan, Swan Energy. And today it looks like Imran will be flying solo. No Brandon Davis of Swan Energy or Jeremy Pate with Swan Energy. So just the entrepreneur. Well, you guys are all entrepreneurs, but I've actually been to your restaurant, so I easy for me to say that. But uh, how are you doing today there, Mr. Imran Khan? I'm doing well. Thank you so much, uh, Jason, for for asking. Uh, just been been a been a fun week. Uh, these guys are out uh, busy. We got a lot of stuff going on, and uh, you know, I just wanted to make sure that we made time for 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 this along with everything else we've got. So, how That's is why it? You only get one. <laughs> by the way, how is it down in Houston? You know, a lot of the activity going on is in the Permian. They got a hundred some rigs down there, but Houston is where a lot of the the main oil companies and etc. are located. Uh, a lot of the service companies, of course, are, are in Midland, but uh, what kind of, how's the activity down there? Because we're going to talk about how s- the next several years are going to be primed for small to mid-sized oil companies. So uh, how, how's the uh, activity in Houston? Well, I can actually probably tell you a little bit about both. Um, this week I was up in the Permian in, in, uh, in the Big Springs specifically uh, area, and, um, you know, it was, it was a different, uh, different, different part of Texas. So it was, it was nice to be able to see, um, what all goes on in those areas, uh, in, in Houston, I'll, I'll kind of touch on that first. Uh, things are moving forward just like they were before. Um, you know, the, obviously COVID has played a little bit of a role in how things are, are structuring up right now. Uh, but for the most part, you know, we've been we've been staying very busy, taking a, a whatever opportunities we can in a in a down market, uh, at least from an oil and gas standpoint, to be able to get in at the right prices and things. Um, you know, in general, we've got you know folks wearing masks, um, you know, going doing their day to day type of uh, activities. I know um, our our governor mentioned that uh, he is not looking to lock down Texas, which is uh, great to hear. Um, you know, I think that that's probably the right move. Uh, I think that there, uh, a lot of that probably is, uh, based on the fact that, uh, a lot of these, uh, vaccinations and, and different items that are, that are being developed are a lot further along than they were, uh, earlier in the year. Uh, so from an outbreak standpoint, I think that that's a, that's a good thing to be able to see that there's, uh, some remedy there. Um, but, but yeah, overall in Houston, things are, things are going well. You mentioned you were in Big Spring out there in the Permian Basin. Boy, that's just a stone's throw away from Midland and Odessa. And there is some activity in the Big Spring area. So I'm glad to hear that. We're going to get a little bit of an update from there. What did your eyeballs see? You know, it was it was interesting. Um, yeah, obviously, we, we were on some... Uh, uh, work that we were doing on, on some assets acquisitions that we were looking into. Uh, and, you know, the telling sign to me was um, going out to eat up there, right? Uh, we, we probably, we, we, we looked at uh, some wells, um, you know, did some, did some due diligence and uh, we, we took a break in between around probably about 11, 1130. And we went to one of the small restaurants. Uh, everything up there, for the most part, is all local, which is honestly for me, it's great to be able to see that. Uh, you know, for considering the fact that we've got so much going on from a small per- business perspective, um, you know, it was a, a steak and uh, uh, seafood place, and I, I, I wish I could uh, give them a shout out, but I, I forget the exact name. Uh, but um, you know, we walked in, and we were probably the there was only one other 
group that was there. And then, you know, I was like, man, maybe it's not as busy as I thought it was. And then, uh, probably within, um, 10 minutes of us sitting there, uh, the whole place just packed up. Um, so it was, it was great to be able to see that, uh, you know, people were coming out doing things. Um, you know, I think from an activity standpoint, it was, uh, it was good to be able to see the different people that are there. Uh, overall, from what I understood from Jeremy, who had been out there about a year prior, uh, you know, it was definitely lower activity than, than back then. But just seeing the fact that, you know, folks are out there, they're, they're out there, you know, doing work. I had a gentleman, you know, approach me. I, he, he obviously realized that I wasn't a local guy. And, um, you know, we, we started talking. He owned a, a catering company up there. I believe his, the, the name was uh, Coyote Catering. And he, he handed me his card and, you know, he told me, hey, you know, just want to give you my card and let you know that, uh, you know, we do catering for, for your guys. If you guys have any jobs or anything going on, uh, we'll come out to you and, and do whatever we need to do. So it was nice to be able to see that, you know, from a small business perspective, you know, people were very, very friendly, very nice and, you know, out there trying to promote their businesses and, and do the work that they, they need to do to be able to get back to uh, where we need to be from a from a business standpoint. Switching gears, talking a little bit about mining money, about investing in the marketplace and just kind of some discussions along there. I wanted to bring up an article that Yahoo Finance uh, put out actually just today. And it's something that you and I have talked about and Brandon Davis has talked about. When it comes to the next year, the next couple of years, when it comes to oil and gas, and, and keep in mind, you know, strength in numbers and, and that sort of thing is going to be critical going into this, whether it's through a network or whether it's through investing in numbers or whether the, just some sort of support system that you can have. Because what's happening here is there, there is a transition. Now, whether it's the energy transition that's happening that Joe Biden is talking about, or whether it's the transition that was happening before COVID, which is the oil and gas industry is becoming a little more automated. It's becoming a little bit more educated. And so there is a shift. There's, there's, there's a paradigm shift happening in a lot of different ways, which means the money's shifting. Doesn't mean it's going away. It just means it's shifting a little bit. This article is talking about how the next couple of years are going to be fantastic, it says in the headline. Fantastic for small oil companies. And I don't know how you guys classify yourself at Swan Energy, but I would call you small to midsize. I don't think you're as big as Exxon. Maybe you are. Maybe maybe, maybe there's something you're not telling me, but generally the big ones are Shell, BP, Exxon, and you know, maybe maybe even a couple others, I guess. We, we but. strive to be as large as they are, but yeah, yeah, you, you got that right. We're we're definitely uh, we're, we're small mom and pop at the end of the day, uh, in in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and so. and so I look at that as you know, they, just like the big companies, the small companies can thrive too. But there's well, ebbs and flows yeah, in the marketplace, and right now is a good ebb for the flow for small business because it's the nimble and the quick ones that are going to be able to do things. The guys that can go check out something in Big Sprig, well, no one else can. I'm sorry, Big Spring. I think I said Sprig. Big Spring. I was thinking about the restaurants again where you put a sprig of parsley. 
because uh, I'm going to ask you about parsley energy in a minute too. So my mind is oh. all messed up here on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it's hey, there's there's actually some method to this madness. But where where I'm going with with this is that the nimble, the quick. The money's out there, but the big corporations, hey, they're still trying to figure out their COVID policies and their ESG policies and whether they can wear masks on Tuesdays and have casual Friday. They're not going out in site exploration. They're not going out and testing soil and doing those types of things. So that's an example of why a small to a mid-sized company right now is a great place to invest your money. So I wanted to hand that baton off to you to talk a little bit about what you guys do and how you guys are looking at different investments to just kind of continue the conversation with what you were just doing out in the Permian. Yeah, definitely. I think that that really tells uh, a good story right there um, in, in terms of from a smaller size company. Uh, we're definitely a lot more mobile and agile and definitely out there doing what we can to be able to pick up different assets at the right price. Um, you know, when oil is $40, is definitely a time to be able to get in and pick up different assets based on those values. Um, you know, I think a lot of the, the larger companies, you know, they, they're, they're a great place to be able to invest also. Uh, they're, you know, their stocks are very low, but uh, at the end of the day, their future is really dependent on a lot of the administration, as is ours, but uh, more more from a standpoint of you know where they're going to be going from a uh, regulation standpoint. I think um, a lot of a lot of the government regulations favor much of the small businesses to be able to get them to become bigger. Um, you know, from the from that standpoint, uh, you can see a lot of the different things that BP has out there in the media. Uh, with respect to going more green and reducing their their carbon footprint, um, I think that that's an overall uh, goal of everyone's. Um, you know, long term wise, we we all want to be more energy efficient at the end of the day. Uh, but you know, it really does create opportunity for the smaller guy, uh, the the independent oil and gas companies, uh, because if if these large guys are are moving into other spaces um, and exploring those areas. It's not that energy is not going to be produced. We're not going to stop producing oil and gas. Um, you know, we're just going to be able to have opportunities to be able to go in and, and pick up these different assets, be able to develop the actual um, wells that are that that are out there that that we can. Um, you know, a lot of times there's a lot more investment in developing new wells versus. Um, improving current wells. So, you know, maybe from a new well standpoint, oil prices will have to go up to be able to afford that act from from smaller business standpoint. But, you know, it, it just depends on where we go with the with the with the legislations. Right. I think, um, you know, if, if oil is at its bottom right now, I, I feel that fairly strongly. I think it's been in the low $40 range for some time now. And, um, you know, I think the stability there is very important because that really allows us to be able to confidently buy uh, at these prices. And, you know, when we're buying things at these prices, we're looking to be able to ensure that there's enough room for us to be able to bring in partners and to be able to do the workovers and to be able to bring up the actual production at these specific current numbers. Um, you know, if it goes up to 50, 60, $70 one day, I don't, I don't know if it'll go back up to the heydays of $100, but you know, it, it may not be uh, 
it, it can definitely become 60, 70 bucks, I feel. Um, and, you know, we weren't, we, we were there not too long ago. So if that happens, then there would be a nice big push in the right direction for, for these companies. And, you know, the profitability would be a lot higher for the small independent guys that are out there. Another advantage that a small independent person has, the smaller oil companies, the small to midsize, if you will, is uh, a lot of the bigger guys, they're being pressured into the ESG movement. You mentioned some of the climate activism, how it's impacting you know the, the bigger companies' decision-making, and that is true. They're having to either do new research and development with unproven profits, or they're having to you know, and, and allocate resources where there historically has never been a return. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, that's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is that they've had to shift resources over to areas where traditionally they had profits, and they haven't had a chance to create new profit centers yet. And when they can't do that, well, they're going to have a little bit of some growing pains. And they're big corporations. They move very slow. They're like the Titanic, you know, going through the ocean. The small guys, this is where the quick and nimble ones are able to do, you know, some different areas and, and, and make some money and, and, and go like that. I do not see, whether it's Germany or California or any country that has gone green, that has shown that it's become not only profitable, but energy efficient yet. So I think that this green transition is going to go a little bit longer than people anticipate. I'd like to know just, you know, you're, this is all speculation and this is all just opinion based, but I'm just looking at, you know, Germany, which is supposed to be the poster child of the green revolution. They had to fire up the coal plants last year and they do a lot of biomassing of burning of trees. So they have problems. Their heat bill has gone up four times to what it was when it originally started. Similar things have happened in California. California has got black blackouts. Uh, they've got wildfires because of this, where energy companies have had to cut back on tree trimming and all kinds of different things. So, lot. Uh, point is, is that there's. I think there's going to be more growing pains, which is going to be a little bit more of a safer bet for the small to mid-sized companies. So, anyway, your thought on just some of that speculative, uh, just you know ramifications i guess you know it's it's interesting you, you bring up some really good points there uh, jason I, I you know i was at a dinner last night and um prior to the dinner um heidi cruz who, who works for goldman sachs spoke a little bit about just the economy how things are going to be moving forward just uh, a lot about um you know what to expect if the biden administration does end up coming in um you know, some of the, the details around the clean energy plan. Um, you know, I, it was interesting to be able to hear these different different ideas, a lot of a lot of which, you know, will be impacting these larger companies. Um, you know, one of the things that I want to kind of paint the picture around is the year was 1985. The movie was Back to the Future, right? And the year that they went to in the future, it was 2020, Right. Um, in 2020, they had the idea of uh, cars flying. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't see too many cars flying yet. Um, so I, I think the approach, you know, with, with a lot of the different alternative energies, the, the, the different 
ways that these different companies or larger companies that are out there, they're spending their cash flow, you know, you know, the BPs, the Shells, the Chevrons, rightfully so, right? They're, they're obtaining their cash flow from oil and gas, and they're going into innovative different areas. And it's great to be able to have that luxury for the big guys to be able to go in and, and understand and develop new technology, right? They've got budgets to be able to do that. And it's great to be able to have a company that they buy out and, you know, they take to the next level because they have the capabilities and the means to. Um, but it, you know, it, it really has a lot to do with the funding of those types of technologies, right? Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk of um, vehicles all going into EVs. Um, and, you know, somebody, somebody there asked me about that. And I gave them that example. I'm like, look, you know, the whole idea of EVs coming in and, you know, no more, um, uh, cars that are that are uh, uh, hydrocarbon based by 2035. I mean, honestly, that's it's only it's 14 years from now. And if you if you think about you know in 14 years to get rid of all the current vehicles that we've got, you know, first of all, who pays for all that, right? Um, you know, we've got Americans that are out there that you know are are living paycheck to paycheck. And it, it sounds great, right? Like, you know, a lot of a lot of the affluent people out there, they own Teslas and it's great to be able to have that. But, you know, I, I can pretty much guess that for most of those folks, Tesla is probably not their only vehicle. Uh, you know, so it, it's it's a it's a luxury from that standpoint also to be able to have these new technologies and, and using these new technologies. So and I'm you know, I'm going on. But my, my point is, you know, the development of all these different uh, types of, of new energies is very, very important. Um, now, will it happen quick enough? Will we have solar power that is so amazing that, um, you know, it, it puts off oil and gas? Um, will we have wind farms that are powerful enough to where we don't need oil and gas anymore? Um, you know, if you think about the development that's going on in India, China, Africa, um, you know, the, it, it, it really begs the question that, you know, I, I would believe that oil and gas is going to be staying the way it is. And maybe these big companies that are out there that are, you know, transitioning from just being oil and gas companies to becoming energy companies, um, you know, maybe they take on these, these innovations and develop some of those areas further. Um, you know, obviously time will tell. Um, I, but I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath. Uh, 1985 to, to 2020, we don't have flying cars yet. Uh, you know, to, to be all on electric um, in the next uh, 15 years or 14 years, you know, I don't know if that's possible, but I really do hope and wish that we can get to a point where, um, you know, we're, we're more, uh, we have more types of energy available to us to use. Have you ever heard them say when you, when you start a technology course in college, by the time you graduate, it's that technology is obsolete? Yeah. Yeah. And, exactly. you know, that, that's yeah. when I was a freshman, they were teaching us Lotus. And by the time I graduated, you know, four four years later, Lotus wasn't Lotus even around. Notes. I remember that. Yeah, it wasn't even around, Lotus, right? Lotus Notes and Lotus 1, 2, 3. I remember those tools. Exactly. Day. And so um, <laughs> I, I do think a lot of policymakers should probably take that into consideration because a lot of times when they're doing a five to a 10 year subsidy, tied to some of these renewable packages or whatever the case is that's holding back something like a hydrogen. Uh, I, I honestly, I don't think the electric cars are going to going to be around long enough because I think they'll probably make some advancements on hydrogen because uh, they've been trying to do that for 20 years and it doesn't get really any government subsidy money because it, otherwise it might get somewhere. 
So basically, you got all these this crazy capitalists working on hydrogen, but they they're doing pretty good. And I keep hearing advancements, advancements. And the reason I know a lot about this hydrogen movement is because Fargo, where I live, is a uh, testing place for a lot of different things. Um, they used to say, "Play it in Peoria." Well, we had vanilla Coke before everybody. We had 75 cent USA Today. Well, the rest of the country had 50 cent USA Today. We're a test market for a couple of reasons. One, it's a Midwest town. But the second one is because I-29 and I-94 cross over and they intersect each other. So we've got the, the two interstates that, that cross over. And in the Midwest, that's very valuable. So we have electric charging stations, LNG stations. They talk about the hydrogen stations. Anything to do with transportation, Fargo is always one of the ones that, that's going to get some new technology. So um, I did want to mention that about the hydrogen vehicles, just to put that out there and plant the seeds in people's that's minds. That's actually a really good, good point, you know, with, with the hydrogen vehicles standpoint. You know, you know BMW um, worked very closely with uh, – with a couple of different um, oil and gas related companies to develop their their hydrogen uh, seven series, and just to let you know that seven series is about four models behind the current current uh, model. And what I mean by that is it, it was back in I think uh, I want to say twenty ten or so. It's been ten years, and I still don't see hydrogen vehicles out there. Right. I think to your point earlier, you, you talked about lawmakers and, you know, you know, lawmakers like to sell things that are sexy. Right. You know, it, it's easy to sell something that has a good story to it. Right. I think that's really what it and, and I and most lawmakers are that way. Right. I'm not saying everyone is, but it, it's you know, it's that idea that gets you the the funding in in the electric world or in, in, in the EV space, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, but yeah, you, you bring a really good point with respect to hydrogen. It's all about markets and markets taking on the new changes, right? It's not just the technology being developed, but also, you know, from a, from a market standpoint, can people actually take that on? And what usually happens in that space is the chicken and the egg, right? Right. And, and, and maybe it's not hydrogen. Maybe it's cold fusion. Maybe it's, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever it is. The point is that the, the going back to that, the lawmakers trying to put 5, 10, 20 years on these subsidies when the technologies are changing so fast. All you got to do is go to the university level to look at the majors and the, and the different technologies and softwares and the methodologies that, that they do. Um, on a bigger picture, if you want to take a step back from the 5,000-foot view, the other problem that these energy companies are, are having, in my opinion, and you're a smaller company, so you might understand this on the, on the microscope level, and therefore it's easy to fix, which is when you take a look at oil and gas, you think of Houston, and Houston is all about central planning. The old America is all about central planning. You want to have... Like you mentioned, the flying cars, you think of the, you know, the, 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 the utopian Blade Runner, whatever it might be, that, that it's this central planned utopian that we all live in. Well, then you go to Silicon Valley, and it's nothing like that. It's just a bunch of hodgepodge weird stuff that a bunch of guys with money podged over here had and everything else, and it's, there's really no central planning behind it. 
So I look at the way that the oil and gas industry's Houston mentality of central planning is now trying to coexist with the Silicon Valley just nonsense. That's what is kind of happening. And because it's not returning a profit right away, and you know the Silicon Valley method, lose money for five years till you get bought out by a billionaire, I don't know if that's going to work in oil and gas. I guess I don't know, but we maybe it will. We'll talk about parsley energy in a second. You'll but see, you'll see a lot of a lot of folks going out of uh, going out of business and bankruptcy is happening, right? I think. Well, that totally. You're right. You know, a lot of times I think about what you just said. Like these companies come up with these ideas and they're they're failures, and someone comes out and throws a billion dollars or whatever into it. Well, yeah, of course. When you throw a large number like that, you just kind of you you. Maybe you eventually find the success, or you continuously fund the failure, right? Um, and it, and it, it really comes right back to what we were talking about with hydrogen earlier, right? I, it just really make that the difference is some things are are positive, and and you know that they're going to succeed, and other other uh, technologies are not. This next question, I um, I actually wish Brandon was here for this next question because I'd love to hear his opinion on this. So. Um, uh, Matt Parsley, I'm sorry, Matt Gallagher, CEO of Parsley uh, Energy. Uh, he was used, uh, we used him as an example several times throughout this program because when Texas was talking about stepping in and controlling production, do you remember that last fall or last spring? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was controversial. And uh, Mike Summers from API, like before they even suggested that before the end of the sentence, he came out, knee-jerk reaction. Absolutely not. Oil and gas, no subsidies, this and that. Well, then Matt Parsley, Matt Gallagher for Parsley came out a week later on CNBC and said, maybe we should look at having that happen. Maybe the government should do that. Well, they're, you know, he's pretty tight and pretty close with a lot of the people who are making the decisions. Well, then they, you know, a few months later, Last week, they get bought out. They had debt, significant debt. So he was essentially becoming not only a CEO, but a lobbyist for, the, for the, that controlled production. It's, it's, he was, it just that that's what he was doing was he was telling a story with that. Right? Totally. Basically, you know what I mean? If you look at what, you know, what his view was versus you know, what, the, what the government's view was and then him coming out and saying that and now it being sold off, it, it's a total, you know, it, it happens, right? I mean, it's not, it's not easy to be able to survive in these types of tough times. But that's where I, I see where a lot of people get a little bit upset about the government coming in and stepping in and that sort of thing because um, if you have access to a lot of these different companies and, and that sort of, or I'm sorry, politicians and lawmakers, that's where all of a sudden you get that subsidy money while the other guys are still hustling and, you know, hemorrhaging out at the end of the day. And that's why we go back to the safety and numbers and strength and numbers and that sort of thing. I just thought that was interesting that he was lobbying for the government intervention because they were going to get it. And, uh, and then, a, you know, a few months later, they get they get bought out by who bought them out again. It was a. Uh, OK, um, it'll come to me here. Yeah. Sorry. Jade Stone, was it? Was that the name? Jade Stone? It's possible. Anyway, well, that's not important. So let's talk about Swan Energy, what you guys have going here and stuff. <laughs> uh, but going back to, you know, the bigger guys aren't the big, aren't necessarily the uh, safe bet right now when it comes to investing. It is, it is the smaller companies, the mid-sized companies. So 
Let's talk about what you guys have going on, what you're investing in. You're just out in Big Spring taking a look at some Permian properties. Um, natural gas, I, I know you guys are always looking at that as well, but talk to me about the, the investment side and what people can um, do to come and invest with you guys. Yeah, definitely. So, so um, we've got a lot of things going on. Uh, you know, we've got uh, a lot of different projects right now. We're, we're, we're setting up for uh, uh, a frack next week. Um, you know, for for some of our partners that uh, uh, that that, that uh, have invested with us. So, we're, we've got a lot of different things going on. You know, the best way to be able to get in touch with us and, and discuss some of the different uh, investment opportunities from a partnership standpoint. Uh, is to reach out at uh, www.swanenergyinc.com. Uh, again, swanenergyinc.com. Um, if you'd like to reach me directly, you can too. Uh, it's Imran at swanenergyinc.com. It's I-M-R-A-N at swanenergyinc.com. I'd love to be able to hear from people. I know you've uh, forwarded some different uh, uh, messages over to me in the past, Jason, and it's, it's always great to be able to see and understand uh, different viewpoints and and uh, hear from hear from our listeners always. 